Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Skull, 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 skull some more. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Super Bowl champion Bryant McKinney, who played for the Ravens, Dolphins, and Vikings. Ron Saw from Eden Prairie. Uh, he's our usual host. Sally has the week off. And we have a Vikings fan lifer from Canada named Anthony. And then we have uh, Adam from 10K Takes is going to join us. And we got a whole bunch of stuff to cover from the Harrison Hitman, excuse me, Harrison Smith, the Hitman extension, Irv Smith, bad news, 53-man roster. It was a very busy week, so we're going to jump into all of it. First, we're going to talk with our uh, new sponsor or about them. Uh, our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com. This season is going to bring some interactive fun to the sport that we love the most. You'll be able to get in on all the action with our playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for the contest, Believe Football Pick'em, B-L-E-A-V, at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pigskin pickup. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Own Bankroll, which sounds pretty sweet. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all of your office sports pools. This week was peppered with Vikings news, and it culminated, so to speak, with the 53-man roster release, and that was a, a humdinger because they did a bunch of strange stuff with it where they, they cut guys that were like, huh, uh, but then they added them back today. It must be a new tactic because I don't recall having this many strange things happen, but of note, I'll summarize these, and I have a, a question for McKinney right out of the gate. Uh, Jake Browning, who was supposed to be the quarterback, too, for about two weeks, isn't going to be a part of the team. He might be on the practice squad. A.J. Rose, who was a fan favorite in preseason, scored the only offensive touchdown is cut, but on the practice squad, Uh, Chad Beebe continues his odyssey into um, irrelevance. He was injured, so he'll be gone for the year. Here's some of the other big ones. Hercules Mata'afa, he's kind of a tug-at-your-heartstring type of guy. He won't play for the Vikings, and he won't even be on the practice squad. Uh, The two lovable losers, Drew Samia and Dakota Dozier. I don't know if Samia made the practice squad, but Dozier did, but they will not be part of the 21 team unless the depth gets suspect. Everson Griffin was cut, but was welcomed back today. And I think that's about it for biggies. Um, Bryant, I've wondered this for quite some time. When it is roster cut down day, do does the head coach meet with players individually? Do the coordinators break the news or is it just a list? How do the players find out their fate? Well, I know this year they kind of waited to the last uh, preseason game, but you know, during you know when I was playing, they would cut you. They they would start making cuts. Um, I want to say maybe after the second preseason game, and um, there would be a certain person that would come in the locker room, and you'll see them looking around, and we kind of got familiar with who the person was. They called him the Grim Reaper, <laughs> and they would basically come get you and actually get your playbook, and you have to go upstairs and speak to the head coach, and he would explain you know, um, that you're being released and I guess maybe kind of give you tips on why you're being released and um, allow you to move forward. Um, with that last game, after the fourth uh, preseason game, uh, they will call you and um, they will ask you to come in and, and bring your playbook and things like that. 
and then you have to talk. So everybody has to talk to the head coach before they leave. Okay. So do you think, um, just just speculative, Zimmer presumably would have had to talk to 23 dudes in the last day or two. Are those like five-minute conversations or 10 minutes or 20 minutes? Or? You know what's crazy? I don't know. You know what's funny is we should add – we should talk, should talk about this when Coach Tyson's on here because, you know, Anthony Herrera was actually – got called to the office to be released, <laughs> and he pleaded his case. And Coach Tyson felt bad and then did not release him. <laughs> and Campbell – and he ended up, you know, eventually, like, becoming a starter. So that's – if we that's ever awesome. have Coach Tyson on again, we have to definitely talk about that because – he had got called to the office to be released, and he got in there. And I don't know what he said, but he played. He played his case, and Coach Tyson had a change of heart and ended up keeping him. Was that before he was entrenched as the starting right guard? Yeah, he wasn't a starter yet. So, and he went on, and he started multiple seasons yeah, he, and, and played really saying. well out after, there. Like, so. After he played his case, played his case, <laughs> he really like I guess focused in and, and ended up becoming you know a starter. But at the time, no, he wasn't a starter yet. Well, good for him for uh, developing into that and uh, and putting into his money where his mouth is. And because I remember, yeah, he was uh, he was great for a while for on that right side a long time or for, for at least a few years. I wonder if he thought like, "There's no way this is gonna work," but I'm gonna try my heart out. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know. I just remember like hearing about it, and I was like, "I wonder if he said it." Like, whoa, how'd that conversation go? Yeah, when he convinced Coach Side to keep him, but and he was an undrafted guy too, right? Before, like. That's the only story I've ever heard of somebody go up there for cut day and they talk their way in the sting. Like they, <laughs> you, you got caught in the office to be released and you said, no, I'm not going. And you just talked your way in the sting and ended up saying. <laughs> That's something to do. Cause he was an undrafted guy too. So he, uh, I mean, he was, ple- he was probably literally fighting for just his career. Um, so yeah. it worked and good, good for him. It did. Anthony, this is your first time on the show from Canada, sir. Do you have a couple takeaways from the 53-man cutdown that you would like to share? Well, did you mention that Colquist got cut today? I didn't, but then he got welcomed right back, I think. Oh, did he? I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that part. I, the thing that's very strange about this is, like, they cognizantly have made the decision to do this, but they know it's going to be clickbait for, like, a day. Like, the headlines well, are going to say... Headlines That's are going to say so and so is released, and I, yeah, I don't think I don't think they did this during Brian's days where they would they that? would. Well, they cut yeah, Everson Griffin yesterday, and then they welcomed him right back because it was. <laughs> yeah, they were they definitely weren't doing that. <laughs> Man, I, don't, I don't understand so, that. I think a couple of things that are different, especially from when you played Big Mac. Um, back then, I think it was only, what, a 10-person practice squad? So now it's up to 16. And there's a lot of caveats in the rules as far as players that get waived that have to pass through waivers. So Everson's a vested vet, so he doesn't pass through waivers. He could sign freely with any team if he wants, but they would have to give him the whatever $2.5 million veterans minimum. So that's why you see a lot of these specialists especially get cut and uh, then essentially they probably had a conversation like, look, we're going to do this. It's all semantics. We're going to bring you back, but we right. got to have the roster clear so we can make the claims that we want. And once they, uh, you know, obviously they claim the tight end from Jacksonville, but I don't think anything else went through. Um, I don't know if they were looking at a kicker or a punter or whatnot, but um, I think it was just pure business tactics because it happened uh, to a lot of other teams too that did that. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of procedural move tweets about today it's just like i've never seen that before so i just wanted to know like is that a thing that has happened before or is it like it was a new thing but you seem to have answered oh, that right it's new because it, it it makes the veterans look silly like you know it would be one thing yeah. if this was tough borland and nobody would care but it's everson griffin who just had a mammoth preseason showing and then he gets cut and then for what six hours we're like is this for real I wonder how that conversation goes. Like, do they, do they just go like, ever seen just going to see that you got cut, but you aren't cut. You're still here. Like, <laughs> how does yeah. that conversation? Yeah. It's gotta be strange, especially since it's new and you know, he's allegedly volatile at some points anyhow. So it probably was a, yeah. a weird. <laughs> All right, Adam, we haven't heard from you yet. Uh, you had me on your show a few months ago and that was a fantastic experience. So I wanted to have you on mine and get your take on this damn roster. Yeah, it's great to be on, Dustin. I know you and I have kind of crossed paths a couple of times and just timing never really worked out. Um, I'm happy to return the favor. We all, like I said, we always love you on our show. Um, and I, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, um, which I was hoping they'd do it, but I'm 
wasn't sure that they'd actually pull the trigger. Uh, Amir Abdullah got the ax, uh, obviously get back on the practice squad. That that's a huge bolster of confidence. I think in Amir Smith, Marset, who I'm very fond of. Um, I, I not like, I'm not going to put it out there because it's bad to say, but this could be another, I always liked when we drafted him in the fifth round, this could be another fifth round find in a receiver, uh, who I'm sure you guys are well aware who I might be alluding to. Uh, I like his explosiveness that he showed a little bit, obviously some technique things he needs to clean up, but I think him being having that confidence or like the team saying that we're confident in you being our return guy, that's a big big sign for me. Uh, I'm really excited about him just because I didn't really think Amir gave us that much uh, from that spot. I think he averaged like what, two, three yards a carry or two, three right. yards of return for punt returns last year, <laughs> which can't have it. Um, he was secure. That's about really yeah, all he brought to the safe. table. He's the safe guy. And I'm so like, as a Vikings fan, my entire life and Minnesota sports fan, I'm tired of being safe. I'm tired of <laughs> like, let's just, let's just go with what works, you know? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I, it was a move that I was a little surprised by other than that. Thankfully, you know, a couple guys that on Vikings Twitter, if you're active, AKA Dakota Dozier, Drew Samia, they got, they got the ax from the, from the 53 man, which, you know, Dakota's back in the practice squad, which I don't hate. I actually don't. I mean, experience is experience. How often can you say we had a guy that started or played in all 16 games on our practice squad. So hopefully we never have to use them. Hopefully it just, remains there break in case of emergency kind of a thing, but I, I was okay with it. You know, I was, that's Amir's my biggest surprise. I want to follow up with that and it's a pivot to Brian. So Brian, in your, when you came in uh, 2001, um, there was a while there where the Vikings or 2002 um, where the Vikings didn't have, we didn't have dynamic returners back from the Kadri Ishmael days of the mid nineties, David Palmer as a punt returner. And it wasn't until really we got Moel D Moore in the mid two thousands. Um, but as an offensive player, did you ever care about like who was back there? Like, you just, Hey, just don't mess it up. Don't drop the ball. Get us the ball. Yeah, Kelly fine. Campbell was okay too at times. He was really excited. And he came a little later too, though, didn't he? Or was he like 2006? He was, the same year as me. was he then? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. It was exciting because, I mean, you wanted to get good field position. So I always kind of would be excited to see, you know, a good returner back there um, just because they usually be able to sit you for a good field position. So to me, yeah, very exciting. And maybe sometimes you don't even have to go on the field at all, <laughs> except for the extra point. <laughs> well, you guys were scoring so quick all those yeah. early years for you too. So <laughs> Yeah, we'd rather see an offensive touchdown than some kick return when you have uh, Moss out there. Ron, what about you on the 53-man? Um, I don't think anything really surprised me. Um, I mean, like in my own head, I, I didn't think um, Abdul was going to make it mainly because of the guy, the guys that did emerge on special teams. Um, and I feel like running backs are a dime a dozen, um, like whether it's AJ Rose or any of these other guys, if someone were to go down, like, unfortunately, like, you know, there's always the, you know, the Todd Gurley's of the world, Adrian Peterson, um, you know, wouldn't that be a redemption story to have him come back, uh, um, you know, in his mid thirties, keep trucking. But uh, um Obviously, if something happens there where we need to go that route, it's going to be a different talking point anyways. Um, but um, the one that I actually was surprised that did stick on, and uh, it's only because of the depth of the of the D-line and the young guys that they brought in, I'm actually surprised Weatherly did end up making it. Um, once Griffin came back, um, I thought that they were going to pivot to the younger guys, but really the only ones that that left um or Jalen Holmes and Mata Afa. So I was surprised to see James Lynch make it. Um I think I predicted a few months ago that um 11 or 12 D linemen would make the squad. Um and I think it's right around that number. So um it's all about the chess pieces. Um I'm also surprised at the linebacking core really. Um we typically don't carry six or seven or whatever that number is. So yeah. I'm surprised that um we do have a little more and I'm wondering if there's still some chess pieces to be had with some of those guys that, you know what, like, I don't know if it's Conley or Lynch, um, but uh, those guys that could be expendable depending on who becomes available. So um, we'll see. Um, I was excited to see that they went out and, uh, you know, made the, I, I'm one of the few that was happy with the trade for Herndon because everyone's all, <laughs> we'll get you know, that. bitching and moaning about the fourth round pick, but fourth round picks are all great until Drew Samia was a fourth round pick. I mean, like, come on, come on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Even like go back to, you know, first round picks, like they're all, 
they're they're great until you put a name to it. When you put an Erasmus James name to it um, or something like that, not dogging on your former teammates being back, but <laughs> you know, there you, you can get a McKinney, great home run. You can get an Erasmus James and you know, or Demetrius Underwood, and you're in trouble. So um, I like the move. I get sucks that Irv Smith is out, and I'm sure we'll pivot to that here um, shortly. But uh, I don't think there's any glaring surprises. Uh, maybe um, Shazena or however his name spelled, but I think he's on IR anyways. But uh, so we don't really have that true special teams gunner that we've had in the past with Sherrill's and then into Patterson. Um, so that'll be curious as to who takes over those roles on the, the linebacker thing. I think they kept a plethora because they are deficient of strong siders, like with Barr, maybe yeah. injured, maybe not. And the Cameron Smith up and retiring that leaves the strong side, uh, just a big who done it or who, who's going to start. So I, I, I think you're correct that they'll, they'll whittle down in time when these practice squad guys come back, or excuse me, these IR guys come back. Um, but I think that's the rationale. Well, what about depth? Uh, Anthony, I'm going to ask you. So there's some relatively prominent folks in the Vikings orbit that think this team is just not deep. It's all shine on the, it's wax on the car and there's not much to it. I've tried to look up and down the roster to understand it, but I don't. Can you, can you help me out? Well, I mean, if I've learned anything from Vikings Twitter is that we'll never have enough depth and, we're all gonna suck, and no matter who we have, it's it's always uh, it's always death death for everyone. Like it's just we, there's no hope ever. Um, I I love Buster the way it's constructed. I was also surprised to see Amir get um, cut, but I think again is a move that needed to be made. Right? It's one of those things that you didn't see coming that isn't a typical Zimmer move. And it just, it was almost like a breath of fresh air in the Zimmer era to think maybe he is willing to change and try and go a little bit off the beaten path. And I don't know if that is the new Kubiak in putting that influence in or what, but I just, it was nice to see. And I think that I, I think the way that our roster is constructed right now is, is great. And it, it almost looked new, which is which is something that we don't typically get to say as vice fans. Adam, the, when I uh, tried to wrap my head around the this team isn't very deep fodder, I look at the offensive line and I'll say, yeah, if Darisaw isn't any good or if Udo isn't very good, then yeah, it's not a very good offensive line, which we're used to. And then perhaps at linebacker, if Barr <laughs> does miss the first few games. But other than that, I don't get it. you have any rational thought here on what they might be hinting toward? I look like I I've been involved in Vikings Twitter um, a little more so in the last couple of years since doing my my own kind of podcast and things like that. But I think that a lot of it is a, there. We're always going to have a division of Vikings fans. And I'm going to put the quotes on that are the I told you so's they they're the ones that have to be the loudest saying whatever we do is not enough, is not enough. And obviously, yes, we see an injury happen to O'Neill, Bradbury, any of these guys that have been our starters last couple of years. Sure. It's going to suck, but how does that not equal to all the other 31 other teams? I mean, you lose one of your key pieces on the offensive line, your season could be derailed pretty quickly or at, at the very least detoured heavily. Um, so I, 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 I just, it's wild to me that it just, it, we have to sit there and say, well, because we don't, we didn't get Joe Thune or Tooney, you know, we, we didn't get these guys that we clamored after in the off season that, you know, Udo sucks immediately. We, he's not, he's not enough. He's not going to fill the void, which mm-hmm. I'm sorry, as long as we're replacing Dakota Dozier and Drew Samia, that's not a big void to fill. You know, I, I, I have to believe I ha- it's, it's the grass is always greener kind of a thing. I have to believe it gets better. You know, it, if we were that successful in offense last year with those two guards uh, on the other side, on each side of Bradbury, and we replace them with, you know, Wyatt Davis, who looks great. Udo that looks, you know, he's been having very good strides in camp and he's going to be the right guard at day one. Um, and Cleveland, you know, continuing his, transition to guard. Um, I have to believe Bradbury will improve. Obviously Rashad Hill, we know that he can be that guy that jumps in if a guy gets hurt. I I don't know. I I think it's way too early. Like it always is with Vikings Twitter to say, you know, doomsday here. So I don't know. 
Bryant, um, what, so you started left tackle almost all of your career. Do, do players look around and you know determine if a team is deep, or is that kind of irrelevant? You know, when you're just doing your job. Yeah, I'm not thinking about. I'm not really thinking about depth too much. Because um, you're well, famous. You famous. I kind of think about it a little bit off the line. Just to, I always would think the most, if anything, would be like two people on the offensive line make you injured. So I always look at who are the two. Mm-hmm. Next two up at bat, and you know, I would kind of think how I feel about them. And normally, for the most part, I kind of like you know, trust them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel the lines about trust, and then I, I look at the D line too, so I feel like they're important as well. Um, and see who you know, who's their backup, you know, who's like their who's their like five and six guy too, but so kind of and maybe linebacker position too, but so kind of I do, so I wasn't gonna say no, but yeah, I actually do. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like a little bit, but not like we do, like, you know, <laughs> obsessively. Ron, what about the depth on this team? Is it concerning or not? I mean, I don't think it is. I think, you know, to Adam's point, <clears throat> the other 31 teams are dealing with it as well. I think we're getting caught up in Vikings Twitter, and, you know, I'll use your same quote-unquote for that. Um, people expect that we need to have two Dalvin Cooks on the roster, that when Dalvin, if Dalvin goes down, that there's another guy who could do the exact same thing. When you have those elite level players, whether it's Dalvin, Justin Jefferson, Eric Kendricks or whatever, you're going to have a drop off. It's just natural. You can't have an elite level player behind an elite level player because they would be starting elsewhere. So I think people expect that. Um, But the reality is, is you're going to have guys like Eric Wilson, who, how are you going to perform when you get the opportunity to step in and start? They're unheralded guys now, but there's going to be a time when some of these guys, they have to make the name for themselves. Like James Lynch is is a guy that, you know, I'll be pounding the fist for because when he's in there, man, he reminds me a lot of Chris Hovan with his get off off the ball and um, just that pass rush ability. So now is he going to be an every down starter? No, but if someone were to go down, he made the team for a reason. He's one of the top 53 for a reason. So um, I think people need to stop worrying about the elite level depth because no team has it. Like if Kansas city loses Patrick Mahomes, they're no longer the favorites. They might be the favorite for the number one overall pick um, because it, that's just what happens when you lose a guy like that. So, um, you know, it's, I, I'm one too, where I look at our depth more than other teams, just because I'm more invested in the Vikings, but every other team is like that. They'll roll like Dakota Dozier was a starter at the jets. Like, can you think of who their backup was? That was worth anything. Like, no, but I bet Jets fans were, were clamoring for that guy over Dozier, just like we were anyone over Dozier. So, um, you know, it's hard to to not hear it and not see it, but uh, you just kind of got to ignore it and, you know, trust the people in the place that, hey, these guys are um, professionals at their job. And, you know, we would all like to put trust in them that they're good at their job. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens and hopefully we don't have to deal with that. Um, but, you know, injuries will happen. I, I obviously like depth is depth is extremely crucial. Like, you know, you, you need to have it for a team. It's, it's the, it's the, the backbone of that. You're like you, how you make up someone's roster. But at the, at the end of the day, you look back at the past Super Bowl winners in the last, I don't know, ever. Usually that team is pretty healthy. They usually get the breaks, you know, turnovers and injuries are the two are two things, variables that you can't replicate. You know, it happens. You know, you look at the bears defense from a couple of years ago when they won the division, they had a crazy turnover rate and right. they were, you know, pick sixes. Eddie Jackson seemed like every week was running a pick six back or a fumble recovery. And that didn't replicate the next year. They didn't do as well. And injuries, you know, the chiefs and the bucks last year, they're one of the more healthier teams. It's, it, it's obviously a thing you need to have, but at the end of the day, I think depth gets one of those things. We're in the dog days of, of summer. It's still kind of ending now, but it's what fans look at. They're like, that's all we have to look at. You obviously look yeah. at your roster that you have. And especially on a day where the final roster is made or the initial 53 man, all you look at is your depth and you could sure find the weaknesses, but I don't know. I feel like as the season progresses and when the season starts, it becomes less important if it's not as needed, obviously. But well, look at going back to Casey, look at the Super Bowl. They lost their two offensive linemen, and Patrick Mahomes had to run 500 yards before he threw the ball in that game. Mm-hmm. Like, so that <laughs> games are one of the trenches, you, absolutely. You know, it, it, I mean, it's and like Tampa Bay, it has a great defense for sure, but lose those guys, and Mahomes is almost deemed useless because he can't, he can't make up for it. Mm-hmm. One of the 
on on injuries, the one that uh, was a bombshell for us this week was Irv Smith. He will be gone for the season, and I I agree there with some of the doomsdayers that, that there's panic warranted. Um, but it's not because I think oh, it's 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 a lost cause now. I think that Irv Smith was uh, the complete uh, icing on the cake, so that if you wanted to have this neat, sexy offense, he was going to guide the, the guy that provided it. Now we're back to the drawing board where you hope that Tyler Conklin is, couldn't be like Kyle Rudolph. And then we just traded for a Miami hurricane in Chris Herndon. We gave a fourth round pick for that. So I, I want to ask you, Anthony, do you agree that the, the sizzle surrounding what could be for the offense is diminished? Or do you think it's more than that? Do you think it's going to be the undoing of the offense? I don't, I, I mean, I love the tight end position. Don't get me wrong, but I'm don't think that losing Irv Smith at tight end is the be all end all. It's just going to bump up the targets for Jefferson and Thielen. And I think that Conklin last year that in flashes, he can make his move. He's very um, North South. So as soon as he gets the ball, he jumps towards going right toward end zone. Like he doesn't try and make the moves. He's very like meat and potatoes, if you will. And I think that's kind of the guy we need. Uh, my buddy is a diehard Jetson. And I asked him about Herndon, do you think? And he loves Herndon. And all he could say to me was, Gase ruined him. <laughs> so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that um, in this offense, with a star profile as a big athletic guy, he can jump into that role that Irv was going to have and maybe not as many targets, but definitely fill in for a role and be dependable. Adam, um, the, you were talking about Amir Smith-Marset and today, I believe sometimes these days run together. Zimmer broadcast that we're going to have to get a third wide receiver involved more, which is a awesome because it's like, yeah, we've been saying this now for five years, buddy. And then, B, it's kind of like, oh, God, what does that mean? Does that mean they're just going to throw the, like the BC Johnson type out there and hope for the best, or we're going to overvalue KJ Osborne? So do you foresee the WR3 being impactful for this year? And if so, is it your guy, IMS? Um, I, ISM. But, <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I, I do it all the time too. Don't worry. Um, it, it, it's nowhere near like Equinemia St. Brown, rest in peace, but still <laughs> Amir Smith-Marset. Uh, I, I, I don't see it like, I mean, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't see it for the first half being, we needed receiver three. I think receiver three is yes, it's a valuable piece, but I liken it kind of like, yes, it's valuable. Like uh, teams employing a, a tight end too, you know, it, it, yes, it's great to have that as a, you know, mismatch opportunity with a linebacker or maybe a safety. That's not great in man-to-man kind of coverage. Um, it, you know, having that third guy out there that can be a little more dynamic for you, um, other than a tight end. But I do think that I would not be surprised if Amir Smith-Marset comes on strong near the end of the season. Uh, I, I, well, hopefully that's for a division race and, or, you know, securing up that wild card spot. Um, I, I just have to believe that he's too dynamic and he's going to, he's going to flash in that return role. And I think it's going to be a way of like, Hey, we got to get the ball in his hands, you know, kind of like Cordell Patterson, where you say he's so athletic, he's so dynamic with the ball find ways. And I think with Clint Kubiak, hopefully Mark, Mike Zimmer, letting him, you know, the training wheels off and letting him call the offense how he wants to, I think he's going to find ways to get him involved. I have to believe it, whether that's towards the end of this year, going into next year or, you know, around the midway point. I don't know. I think it will be second half. Um, he's just, he, he's too valuable, you know, too dynamic to leave on the sideline or leave just catching punts. You know, I just, that's why I think. We better hope that they are contending for something in in December because otherwise our, <laughs> our show from eight months from now will be about a new coach and a new quarterback, yeah. and maybe a new general manager. It'll be a complete facelift. The stakes are high, and you can say that about every Viking season, but this one really is <laughs> crucial. I don't think that the Zimmer experiment will last beyond this if they don't win a playoff game. I've said that many times, but I want to reiterate that so that there's no confusion. Bryant, uh, we lost our tight end, like I said. He was our up-and-comer. 
now he's gone for the season or four to five months, they say, which will probably just be a shutdown for the season. When a player gets hurt for that long, does he does he hang around with the guys? Is he is he still part of the team? Does it depend on the dude? Or um, when a player's hurt, you see them at the very beginning, and then there's like a little patch where you don't really see them as much. They kind of come in, do their thing, kind of while we're on the practice field. But you you'll see them around. Um, but they're not going to be like in meetings. They're pretty much going to be doing like a lot more rehab. So you'll see them around here and there. Um, and you'll start to see them more the closer they are to returning. You'll start seeing them a lot more and then they'll start seeing the meetings. But if are there any injury, you're not going to see them too much. They're just in every, in every ad. Do certain coaches handle those situations differently, like require players to be around the team? Or are they just, you know, get yourself right, do what you I need to do? Right. Um, I don't know mentally how a player would feel to have to just keep being there and you feel like you can't even do anything to help the team. You know what right. I'm saying? But that could be a little, a bit much mentally too. Um, so I think these really allowed them to just kind of focus on their rehab and, and doing things that you do. Does that also change at like the stage of the career players on? Like would a rookie be more uh, prone to hanging around the team to try to soak up the information? Whereas a veteran would be like, you know what, I'm going to go and just take care of my body. I think a rookie definitely would. A rookie would definitely um, – be there a lot more um, still to build camaraderie with the, the players and, and, you know, get to know people, but a veteran is definitely going to kind of handle it in a different fashion and go some, you know, some, some veterans go to the people they trust the most for rehab and things like that and just give updates. So it, it just all depends. Ron, I know Chris Herndon, and I'll say it again for McKinney, the Miami Hurricane, um, from the 2018 season of fantasy football. I was deficient to tight end in one of my leagues, and I grabbed him, and he was fun, and he looked like he was trending upward. That was not the case, although we should we shall see if uh, Anthony's buddy is correct that he was ruined in a Gacyan way. <laughs> uh, we did send a fourth rounder, which to a lot of us was like a fourth rounder. Uh, I think we probably expected to see a sixth or a seventh, but it's a fourth, and we got a sixth back. And we will have to navigate to that part of the deal next April. Um, but this is your chance to tell us about Herndon Ron. What's what's your what's your take there? So um, I have a lot of family in New York, and they're all Jets fans as well. So um, I at least um, I, yes, one for one, Gase and Darnold. I don't know if it's all Darnold, but definitely Gase is a career ruiner from what it seems like. Um, at least the, that's the perception. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but so what I will say with her and I'm not, and I'm not comparing him to Irv Smith and where Irv Smith's tra- trajectory is, because I think obviously Irv Smith was one of the top tight ends in his class. He was a second round pick and everything was expected of him with the dynamic skill set he has. Now, with that said, Chris Herndon, he's, you know, a 6'4", 250-pound guy. Um, I think he was a converted wide receiver at some point. Um, So he has that speed and athleticism to be, um, you know, a target hog, let's say, if in the right system. But what I like about his game, and again, taking Irv Smith aside because you're not going to get that ability, but what he brings is he can fill in, you know, we were talking about depth. He brings that similar skill set that Irv Smith does. And in our offense, even look at last year when we had the two tight ends, even three, when Conklin started to come on, there weren't a lot of targets that went to the tight ends as it is. So this season, I think the anticipation of Irv Smith blowing up was going to be that, well, we have this weapon, let's find a way to use him. So I think it's just more so going to put the halt to kind of new wrinkles in that regard. Um, But, you know, Herndon is a good goal line threat. Um, You know, I probably by now seeing that catch where he's going over the middle, getting laid out to dry um, by Darnold and almost getting killed by someone on the Packers. But um, I mean, he's a capable um, big body guy that can be a red zone threat. So you plug him in and, you know, you can put him in those packages that Irv Smith had where maybe he's lined up in the slot. Um, Another thing that I think is going to be kind of overlooked is CJ Ham's usage may go up, you know, whether it be in, in just dual back mode, I mean, he's a pro bowl fullback. He's good at what he does. He also catches the ball. Well, um, now what, I don't know if they're going to have him play, you know, on the line as a tight end at times, but um, he's a versatile player. You remember coming as a running back when he first started on the team. So um, while, Yes, it sucks because you're missing out on a year of development of Irv Smith and seeing that in a dynamic offense. Um, if there is a piece to lose in this offense, I would say the tight end is 
the easy, the most easily replaceable because the target share is already going to be a little lower, you know, based on last year as it is. So, um, and obviously our offense had success. So we'll see what happens. Um, I like the move, you know, identify a guy, get him in and, uh, and see what happens. There's two other big things I want to get to on this show. And the, the first one of those final two is the quarterback two situation slash Kellen Mond. So we lost to the chiefs in the third preseason game. It was pretty anemic until the second half when Mond started to get some momentum going and he actually looked pretty good. And that was refreshing. It kind of tape, tapered down the uh, rallying cries for signing a veteran quarterback too. We thought there would be this treasure trove of them for some reason when cuts were happened, but now we're sort of staring at Brett Hundley, Will Greer, and Trevor Simeon as dudes that have starting experience. Um, so where I'm at right now is Cousins is durable. He's proven that if he tears up his knee, the season's probably cooked as it is. I don't think that Trevor Simeon's going to come in here and do a Keenum ordeal. And that would be assuming the defense is that good. So I am personally at peace with Mon being the quarterback too, because I think that's just the way it'll be written. If, if cousins misses time, then it's time to develop this, this young man and hope for the best. And the best thing for him is to get some on the job training. Now I won't be peeved or anything. If Will Greer is signed, it's Trevor Simeon sign or Mannion. I shouldn't say Mannion probably will be signed. It feels like we're heading that way. And I just don't think, I don't think he's a threat to Mond, but uh, Adam, I'll start with you. Are you fine with Mond as QB two? Or do you need a little bit more of a security blanket? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that, well, first of all, I, I believe I just saw recently tonight, I think Will Greer is expected to sign with the Cowboys. I I think. I'm not sure if it's made official, but I saw that their beat reporter said that that's where it's headed. Um, either way, I, I don't see a, any reason to go after a guy. I mean, what does Simeon bring us? Sure, yes, he started some games in the NFL, but like, I don't know. It's it's like bringing in a diet Kirk Cousins to be try to fill that void if if the inevitable happens. And I I don't think that's a way to plan around it. Um, I definitely recently got into a bit of a back and forth with some with some uh, score north people about the yeah. prospect of a uh, trading for Drew Locke, and I was like, At hell no. Um, I don't. I for a guy that they we're openly saying he could be their quarterback one. I'm like, that's, that's too much of an ask. I think it's going to require a pretty hefty draft selections and who knows what I'm like, no, I, I don't think that's, do we view him as a potential QB one of a future? No, probably not. So um, I'm, I'm perfectly fine rolling with Mond. I don't, I don't think we'll ever need him, but I think it's, it's unwise to go outside of the way, just something that might not ever need be needed. I think in the period of 36 hours on score North, I'm pretty sure they had that one with you. And then they had Philip rivers looking great <laughs> coaching high school. And then, I mean, they, uh, they don't, had, they don't try to hide it. They don't, they don't hide their disdain. Wait, then they, then they had Andrew luck who was throwing to high schoolers and each one of them had their own graphic and it was like, make the call Rick. So I can't figure out if it's a parody thing. It, or- it's a bit. It has to be a bit. I'm like, what is this? I literally got into it with their producer Mackie started chiming in because I started, I, you know, I'm like, they, they're, they're hooking on something. I said, I should have said engagement bait. Sorry. I said, clickbait. <laughs> my bad. But then they, they even have like a little subtle dig on their show about it. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is ridiculous. At least they haven't said, asked, said anything about uh Bishop Sycamore getting there. Yeah, or anything, dude, so. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, what's your pulse? Uh, I don't know if you've been in the, any tiffs with score North, but what, what's your pulse on Mond as the second quarterback? I, I also am all for it. I think that I like Manning or Trevor Simeon. I like the diet Kurt Cousins thing. I, I think that was clever, but I, I, I love it. I think that like they're kind of a signing need it as a backup <laughs> to Mond. Like that just, you know, I mean, what, what's our season going to be if Kurt Cousins goes down any like you said, it's gonna. It's already three sheets to the wind at that point. So just let Mon develop and see where it goes, and and let's move on and try and get him ready for the future. Uh, Bryant, I was gonna. I think we've touched something around this before, but in two thousand seven and eight, when you guys would have like three quarterbacks between Ferrat and uh, Traveris Jackson and Kelly Holcomb. 
Um, when you watch Tarveris start start to mature, what things do you look for when you're the left tackle to see if this guy is the real deal? Maybe not necessarily him, but a quarterback in general. How long they hold the ball? Some people hold the ball too long. <laughs> they, 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 I mean, I feel like you're not reading properly or, or something. Um, that, but then also how they come in the huddle. You know, Tavares coming, you know, as a rookie. And I think by him being a rookie, I feel like that even with Tannehill when I was with him too, um, them being young, they don't realize that they are really the center of everything and um, they have the command. So they have to kind of speak and everybody's going to listen. And I think sometimes by being veteran players or people that they probably watched growing up, they are a little taken back and, and don't take full command. But then after a while, they, they grow into it. I'd like to say that you raised Tannehill pretty well, sir. He, he's turned into a top oh, top 10. Top he has. 11. I just like to tell him those speeches that Ray Lewis would give us a <laughs> prep him when we were sitting like, and, and snack the night before. I'm like, listen, just say this. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'll go in there and like repeat some of the stuff we said, you know, at, at dinner. But he's gotten better. Um, I feel like he is not playing now. You know, the coaches kind of would always tell him kind of what to do. He tried to listen to them. I feel like they allow him to play and be him, you know, in Tennessee. Now, did Another he... guy that got away from Gase. <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, the list is long there. Um, now, Brian, with Tannehill, so um, I don't know if you're aware, when he was in college, I think he was recruited A&M as a wide receiver. Did some of uh, did he have some of that learning curve? You know, you said that, you know, he's always talking to the coaches um, and, you know, giving them advice. Did that have something to play with it, that he is now learning how to be a quarterback that used to be a receiver, or is that just a rookie quarterback being a rookie quarterback? He was learning to be a, a quarterback, but at the same time, it's like you was a receiver, so therefore you can run too. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you can ran. It's like run, like, <laughs> but he's still in quarterback mode. Like I got to see him figure it out. No, you can usually let run. When I uh, when I hear that about Tannehill as a wide receiver, I, I I'm always like, wow, he must have just stopped that training regimen of whatever it was to be a wide receiver because he's like a traditional pocket quarterback now right and he's too big to be a slot guy yeah isn't he like six four so yeah it's very strange (laughs) i mean he would have been one of those dudes that brady employed for four years with 70 80 catches per year (laughs) just based on his bio he he had 844 receiving yards his freshman like his his first year at a&m i'm like you look at his stats his his career it's it's mind boggling. And then obviously now, like you said, I've seen graphic, you see every year they put up graphics like him and Mahomes are the only two, like since he's been with Tennessee, it's crazy. I think he's, those stats are correct. It's, it's, it's insane. He's, he's, you know, he gets fingered with that game manager title and he is a lot more than that. Um, But yeah, those numbers are crazy. He's he doesn't turn the ball over Mm -hmm. and then he racks up touchdown passes with arguably just AJ Brown and then just a bunch of hodgepodge. That'll change. The problem is a lot of them are way too late in the game. So if you ever yeah. have him as your fantasy quarterback, <laughs> it's it, yeah, I hate it. I had him a couple of weeks last year. I'm like, I can't do this anymore, guys. I need to because I had Dak, and I'm like, I need someone else. It's too nerve wracking. Or they pull Sunday. out the goal line handoff to Johnny yeah. Smith. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ron, you were outspoken a week or two ago about getting a QB two, and then you probably saw the field and were like, meh. So did, did Mon do enough to convince you? <laughs> So I will say that, like, I always had advocated for Mon to be the quarterback, too. Um, What I was advocating for is, and this is strictly just because of the COVID world that we live in, and we never know who could be taken out. Um, So I was advocating to have a third quarterback on the roster. And with that third quarterback, again, just in emergency use, like if anything were to happen, if Cousins had to miss a game or if, you know, Mon, whatever the case may be. But that's where I was like, just get a veteran who, um, you know, and a Simeon might would be the perfect example is a guy who, you know, he's great at holding a clipboard. He did it for Peyton Manning. Um, and then he took over and started some games, but just a guy who could have Mon's ear on the sideline. Cause, um, to your point, if cousins ever goes down, we're screwed regardless for the most part. So throw the rookie out there and see what he has to see if he has some potential out there. But I, what I would like is that veteran who, while the plays are going on, while the calls are coming into the head, headset like to help him kind of pick up on that standpoint so um i never wavered from mon being the number two because i think i said before 
I love the idea that we have an established quarterback and we ha- who's not over the hill um, and a young guy that we can draft and develop and kind of use them, um, kind of intertwine them um, and see what happens down the road. But I still would like to see a potential third quarterback just again, because I don't want to be stuck in that Denver Broncos mode of having a practice squad wide receiver, having to play quarterback. Um, and that's my biggest concern. right now. With Mon and obviously, with, sorry, obviously with the world we live in too, with Mon, like the vaccination status here with Mon, like it would be nice to get a quarterback that is vaccinated because they are in the same room. And if they go down, Cousins and they're one and the same, they're gone, right? right? So then you get into that Denver Broncos situation where yeah, you're and like, that's oh, strictly what I want to avoid. Yeah, I mean, I don't, don't think Faz Surratt can play quarterback anymore. So. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Thielen's our emergency guy. I I think I yeah. saw that somewhere, which is like, <laughs> what a story. Uh, I, I mean, wow. Direct handout. We need a wild card spot. <laughs> I think uh, we know Cousins is extremely dug in on no vaccination. Perhaps Mon could be convinced. I don't know. And I, I don't even know if, if he did get it, if we'd know about it. I don't, I don't think that the players are advertising it too openly as to not cause any rips or I think it just probably gets on their nerves that it's unless you're uh, the guy from Buffalo. I oh yeah. Who it was, who, Cole Beasley. No, no, not Cole, Cole Beasley. Beasley. The other guy, they, uh, McKenzie. Oh, Isaiah McKenzie, yeah. Isaiah McKenzie. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. he actually sent a screenshot. First of all, yeah. with his, his email, <laughs> with his email on yeah. there. And it's like, dude, Oh no. I wonder how many emails he got, but yeah. All right. This job was on the lines. <laughs> The, that's a great point. The last thing I have is a positive note is that Harrison Smith was extended or his contract was extended. Was it like a half hour before or half hour after the Herb Smith Jr. news breaking? So it was a busy day for all Smiths because it was also Amir Smith's birthday. Um, but that one was long in the making. I think there was a flirtation to get that deal signed all offseason. And we think Brian O'Neill's will become uh, somewhat a priority here. And they like to get them done right before the season starts. So it should be in the next, what is it, 11 days. Uh, but Harrison Smith kind of gets a lifetime achievement contract. And I don't think that there's too many dieharders that are upset about it because it is uh, top heavy in the sense that the guaranteed stuff is out of the way in the next two years when presumably he'll still be at a high level. And I, I just, I haven't seen enough to indicate that he's fallen off at all. So I know that safeties start to, trend backward for performance at this point in their their life but first of all they can't hit as hard anymore so that's not as many brutal hits and every game that i watch hitman and and i watch them intently especially him because he's in my pantheon of vikings i don't think like oh boy like it's kind of like when i watch lebron now uh he's still to me the best player in the game but there are certain plays where i'm like yeah he would have dunked that one about six years ago (laughs) and it's just it's just the way that it's going for him and you know he's already hit uh a very old age for basketball so with, with Smith, I'm content with the deal. I, I think it was a, a sweet tip of the cap. And I want to know from you, Anthony, was it, was it too much? I think it was the perfect contract for him. I was looking at the details before this, and I just like seeing the it being top heavy and ready to go, it, it gives him two more years to play under like good money and after that, if he's fallen off, we can either restrict it so that it can help us out in the future or say later, thanks for being a Viking. Um, I think that the contract structure is like, I don't think it would have worked it out better as far as his age, drop off and everything. The other thing on the contract is besides Cousins, because that one is talked about every day, his contract. When have you seen a Vikings contract under this regime and been like, oh boy, that's a real doozy. They, they never yeah. happen. If anything, yeah. it's like, yeah. boy, they're ripping these guys off like with Hunter and Kendrick. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, they should always get the benefit of the doubt. If you want to take cousins as a standalone example, because that one cannot be explained away. It's always the, the source of heat. Um, but I, I don't I know, know why these guys, these guys don't get the benefit of the doubt. Adam, the hitman contract was that music to your ears. I, I love it. As, as, as you put it, it's a lifetime achievement contract. Uh, I, you know, earlier on my, my show today, I was talking about how like, I'm, I'm real happy about it. I think that this is someone that Harrison Smith is, is the epitome of Mike Zimmer's defense. He is the Swiss army knife. He, he knows it better than anyone else. And he 
what we saw last year was him having to overcompensate and overplay because of the deficiencies at other positions, especially at corner. And he still had a great year. Yes, it was down because his career, you look at his grading numbers and all that are so high, like so up there with all the, you know, the all-time greats and Paul Amalu and Ed Reed. I mean, when Belichick drops Harrison Smith with those two guys, he's doing something right. And so I, I think that he continues to be one of the more underrated players and he's, he's being paid. Well, I, I, he's going to have a ring of honor. You know, it's going to be a thing like where he's going to be a Viking the rest of his career and I'm okay with it. You know, it is what it is. Like, like Anthony said, it's very front loaded, pay him for what the high production we're going to get for him these next couple of years. And then, you know, you can always restructure. I don't, I don't see them being like adios, but you know, who knows he could, something could drastically change. He's 32. He's no spring chicken. You know, he, he, he could fall off. I don't see it happening. I think his, his play is unique enough where mm-hmm. he, he doesn't, he's never really in a bad spot, like consistently. He's usually in the, where he needs to be. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I think this also puts him on the path to be the first Vikings lifer since Greenway, if I'm not mistaken, like the true lifer, you know? Yeah. Ron, so what, I will what, say, yeah, go ahead. Um, I kind of touching on that. Um, first with Smith, obviously, yeah, like you said, the lifetime contract, um, or whatever you're paying for what he's done, not necessarily what he's going to do, um, which I'm totally fine with that at this stage. Uh, but the one thing where I think it, that for the people who are who think it's too much to be paying a safety, what's the one thing that they always say about any of these kind of older cornerbacks that get signed, even Patrick Peterson at 30, like, well, he can transition into safety. And then you buy another four or five years or, you know, three, four, like Terrence Newman's another example where, oh, we could just play him at safety. Well, Smith is already a safety. So he's not going to be the laying the wood that he, that he is now. But um, I mean, he's a smart player. He's a very good player. He can play. It, it may probably, it'll drop off a bit, but he can play for a few more years at a fairly elite level. Um, so, you know, Brian, I do have a question for you as far as in terms of the safety position. Now you've played with, whether it's at the college level or at the pro level, you've played with some great safeties. Obviously Ed Reed comes to mind as one of the greatest to ever play. Um, and I know he played, you know, well into his thirties. I know he kind of tapered off because he was that free safety that you can't throw it anywhere deep because he's going to get to the ball. Um, But with, so Harrison Smith, I would say is a little more like the Sean Taylor role where, you know, he's going to play like a linebacker in the box and have good coverage skills, but come up and hit you. But is there one or the other that you see having that sustained, ability to play, you know, into your mid late thirties or, um, it, or are they just freaks and they, Ed Reed, just a freak of nature as it is. Um, you know, like you said, it was more about the coverage and just being able to hold down the area. And then, um, Sean Taylor was more of a physical guy. Um, I mean, we were able to see how, you know, long he continued to His career, be yeah. physical in that, in that, in that space. But, uh, I think it's, style probably allowed him to play, you know, long, you know, Sean could have very well continued to be very physical, you know, in his thirties as well, who knows, or he might've changed the game up, his game up just because of the knowledge. You know, I feel like when you're younger, you like a lot more of your athletic ability. And then the more you become seasoned, it's like you work uh, smarter instead of harder. So it could have been subject to change, you know, as he had matured in NFL. Well, any closing statements from Anthony or Adam? Um, last one, basically just with the Harrison Smith, kind of where I, where I wrap up. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out Rob Brzezinski. I mean, he, the cap is a miss when you have a guy, <laughs> when you have a guy that works it like he does. I just, it, it's always astonishing to me. And it's my favorite thing to say to anyone that hates on, you know, the Kirk Cousins contract. Yes, the cap number will be really bad unless something happens and, you know, next year, but. I, the cap's a myth if you have the right guys working it. I mean, I don't know. And to Dustin, to your point, like where it seems like we get players on these discounts, it seems mm-hmm. that's because they identify those players and they they pay them early. Like even mm-hmm. even happened with Diggs. Like mm-hmm. Diggs got his contract. You know, they gave Thielen his. But all these guys, they don't wait until the last minute where it's all of a sudden you you have to pay him Dak Prescott money because he wants 150 million. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of. 
amazing how they do that. And very rarely have these extensions come back to bite him in the ass. Uh, the only one I would say maybe would be Rudolph, but that's nothing against Rudolph. It's just, he's not a top five tight end in the league and he's being paid like that. Um, but there's other guys who, you know, again, there hasn't been any that's been come back to be snake bitten no. because it's, it always seems, you know, we're in the hunter mode where it's like, well, now the player is undervalued. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, like you said, Adam, kudos to them and uh, for getting it done and identifying those guys. So hopefully we see some more of those coming with uh, the Brian O'Neills. And um, that one maybe they get a little sketchy because he's earned his way as one of the top right tackles in the league. And uh, when you get Von Miller saying he's one of the <laughs> best right tackles, yeah, you're like, we're all well, like shut up, wait, shut up, wait, shut wait up. until he's after the gets the contract. Just wait yeah. to say that. Come on. Oh, that, that actually something with Bryant too. Cause obviously you played as a left tackle, a premium position and were left when you were playing left tackles and right tackles did not get paid the same. Now it, nowadays it seems like right tackles are starting to get, get that, money like the like the left tackles are is it just because people are realizing that hey defensive ends can switch sides and go play on the other side and you need to have you know like with you and phil Lodeholt, you need to have two book bookends that can play and play very well together or is it um is the position still kind of devalued a little bit um i think the left tackle though a lot of quarterbacks are right-handed so it's different mm-hmm. below when you don't see the hit coming compared to you know, you see the guy kind of bend in the corner looking through your peripheral. So, I mean, and you, you can switch sides, but normally the more athletic guys over the left tackle, so it's normally going to be the better defensive end. Um, more of the run stopper will be over the right tackle. Um, but uh, I don't know. You know, they, they switch up everything these days. So, <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, Anthony, well, I appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. Did you have any any final words? I'm just excited uh, for the season to start. It's been too long without football. Um, We have zero depth for the New York Jets. I'm just excited for football every year. And it's very exciting just getting down to almost single digits till games for the Vikings. I mean, it is single digits for the NFL kickoff. But uh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. And thank you, Adam, as well, sir. You let me know when you need another fill-in guest on your show, and I'll come talk to that Packer fan of yours, and we'll have at it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, I want to say, yeah, thank you again for the invite. This has been a blast. Um, really big shout-out to you guys. Uh, I think you guys are on a great show. Thanks. Uh, really, really great meeting you, Ron and, and Bryant, obviously. Uh, I yeah. was able to meet Dustin before, but like I said, anyone, anyone here is welcome on, on my show. I do run it with a Packer fan. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I have to put that out there, but he, he, you know, when it, it, the end's coming and he knows it, the end is coming and he's aware. So it's, it's getting, it's going to be better and better each year. I think one of my best friends is a Packers fan and they just found out last weekend that he muted me on Twitter because my Viking stuff is too out of control for him. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wonder that. So as, as I've got more attention over these almost two years now, <clears throat> I'll have fans of other teams follow me. And I'm like, why are you doing that? <laughs> You're going to get re- really bored quick. Cause it's so Vikings central, but uh, people just like to, to be mad on Twitter. That's what my co-host Kevin likes to be mad at Twitter. He's yeah, on Vikings yeah. Twitter all the time. Granted with 10,000 <laughs> takes the company that we're with, it's majority Vikings fans. So he sees a lot of it, but at the same time, he has to interact. So yeah. that's, it, you know, he, he wants fights though. He wants Twitter fights. So you want to go fight with him, it's go fight with Kevin Ullman. Engagement bait. Yeah. Right? yeah. There it is. There, there it is. Yes. Yep. All right. Yeah, next Phil Mackey's going to come find me. <laughs> Get in line. Uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's been after me a couple of times. He, I think one time he said that I don't know what I'm talking about. Like I just make things up. Is he the I'm one like, that oh, calls out people for not being like a uh, credentialed, no. uh, no, that's no, that's that's Collier or whatever yeah. his name is. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Collier and I have had okay. deeper yeah. conversations. Than Phil, Phil's the guy that says the stats lie in this case. Yeah, he oh, literally yeah. Okay. is yeah. quoted yeah. for that when he pull up stats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. he's quoted on that that tweet many times. Yes. Yeah, that one's a beauty. All right, yeah. next week yeah. we have a second of its kind. Um, last year, I think it was week four. Bryant and I hopped on with uh, Houston Texans Henry Thomas, who lives in Houston. And uh, another dude from uh, Houston Radio. Next week, we're on a Bengals podcast. I think it's uh, Sally will be back, and there'll be about three, 
two or three Bengals analysts or fans, and we're going to do a joint show. So, so long as they send me the, the audio file afterward, uh, which they promised to do, we'll have a, a gigantic round table to go over a preview for week one. So that's all and we got. For, yep. For, for Brian, for the future here with the schedule now, um, you know, with us being in the season, um, are you okay with, you know, reaching out to former teammates to get them on on the weeks that we play them? Yeah. So I don't yeah, okay. Start the, um, start the list, Ron. <laughs> right. I've already I've already got a list of whether they're hurricanes or you know former Ravens <laughs> or what guys guys you've crossed paths with hopefully and uh, and we'll see if we can make it work out. So I'll hold you to Ed Reed because that uh, Randy Moss was the coup de grace for me, but Ed Reed is right behind that. And when we play Baltimore, that would be fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Just like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> all right. That's all we got for tonight. And Skull Vikings. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.